Gauri Premanandi. Good evening, welcome ladies, friends. Nice to have you back. Any questions tonight? Yes, Braj. Guru Maharaj, we see that uh, many, uh, in many spiritual missions, uh, kind of when uh, Acharya disappears, the line kind of loses the impetus. And uh, does it have to be like that? Or it's just, are there any lines where it doesn't happen? Sometimes it's just the opposite. So she's saying that there may be a great teacher or a teacher that's in a lineage and then the successor may not bring as much spiritual strength to the lineage as the predecessor. And so is it always like that? That's your question, right? And the answer is no. Sometimes it's just the opposite. Sometimes the predecessor brings more energy to the lineage than the than the uh, the the one who preceded him. Right? No, the successor brings more energy. It's possible to the lineage than the guru than his guru. That's also a um, we see that at times. Then, of course, we have to measure spiritually in all of this as well. <clears throat> so, to give you an example, um, Lokanath Goswami was one of the original uh, Goswamis who were who were sent by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to Vrindavan with Rup Sanatan and so forth uh, to uh, uh, excavate the places of Krishna's pastimes there with their spiritual vision. And uh, they did so, getting the patronage of kings, which then established temples and monuments, and and so forth. Krishna did this here, Krishna did this there, and so on and so forth. It was a big task. They were also um, uh, enjoined to do other other things on behalf of um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but anyway, Lokanath Goswami was among them. And uh, Lokanath Goswami had one, one disciple, Narutam Das Thakur, only one disciple. said that Lokanath was very much uh, avoided accepting any service from anyone. And Narutam, as a young young man, wanted to be initiated by him, but he, he refused him. So Narutam used to follow him secretly, and when he would go out into, uh, into nature and... Uh, and answer the call of nature in the morning, then after he would leave, Narutam would come and clean up the area. So he, he'd come back and he somebody somebody's following me around, and he figured it out, look, I said, serving me in this way. And um, so, anyway, one thing led to another, and he initiated Narutam, who then had thousands of disciples, and then traveled all across India, and uh, developed a kirtan style, one of the two main kirtan styles of the of the sampradaya, the whole the whole lineage. Uh, he wrote also books like Prem Bhakti, Chandrika, and 
Well, there's many songs. Prabhupada said he took the whole of the Vedas and put them into simple Bengali uh, poems and songs. So, in one sense, Narutam Thakur, uh, uh, the disciple of Lokanath gave more energy to the lineage and uh, was just the opposite of what you're talking about, right? But we have to, as I say, measure spiritually. So when we measure spiritually, then we don't find that Narutam, that Lokanath's contribution was less. He had one disciple of the quality of Narutam. <laughs> It, that was his product, if you will. Hmm? Narutam made many, and, and, and so on. So, the great devotees will be moved in different ways hmm? uh, by by uh, by by Krishna to uh, serve in different capacities, in different circumstances, and so forth. So, Lokanath had his service, and uh, Narutam was um, a child of Lokanath, and. His service and outreach was, relatively speaking, that's another way to look at it from our perspective, relatively speaking, those who will canvas widely and, and so forth and help so many people will think they're better <laughs> because we got helped by them. But uh, th- there's no really higher or lower in this um, equation, really, because, as we say, Bhagavan Krishna is moving them in different ways um, at different times and different circumstances for his um, uh, purpose, or they're being moved, we should say, by bhakti in different ways. Um, so, again, we have to have a spiritual measurement. Now, um, that said, um, there also may be the case where a, a charge of teachers is, um, again, different ways of contributing, what may, what may contribute in a in a more intellectual way, let us say, and write books and so forth, which might cause him or her to be more of a, more of a contemplative rather than running here, there, and everywhere. And then his disciple, uh, she might be more of an organizing type of disposition and so forth, and may give a lot of shape into what what her guru, uh, the ideas, the concepts, and and, and manifest uh, temples and. And so on and so forth. Uh, so again, it's again a similar idea of moving in different ways, um, uh, according to their natural kind of proclivities and tendencies and so forth, propensities. Um, and um, there's also another kind of a circumstance that probably gets closer to what you're talking about, where you have a powerful uh, guru. And he or she has a successor, and the successor is not as powerful spiritually. Um, but uh, uh, nonetheless, uh, carries on the lineage dutifully, whereas the, his guru was more of a innovative person bringing new light uh, and so forth. And then the successor, in this instance, let's say she was um, uh, not of that same measure of penetration into transcendence with such insight, but very faithfully uh, represented, repeated, so to speak, without changing it, 
and and in that way also maybe made it available to more persons. Now that in that situation you're going to have the successor is going to be uh, have a powerful position, but um, a lot of that is, is he or she is carrying the faith that the that his his guru really created. And so he's got kind of like a favorable wind, and so on. You know, I'm the disciple of so and so, and so and so is so great, and which is always understood after he's gone. <laughs> uh, and so uh, that that anyway, that kind of successor isn't an innovator, but make you know carry the torch and and so on. Um, so there's a couple of ways of succeeding, is what I'm saying. In one sense, is to is to bring new light. And be, have a dynamic insight. So, in other words, just to kind of faithfully represent. But the faithful representation, it can only go so far. After a couple of generations, um, faithfully representing without further insight, as times change, circumstances change, audience changes, and so on and so forth, um, then it can the the lineage can 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 weaken. Hmm? Um, and then someone can appear in it and and be so insightful that they won't even be recognized by the by the others because that insightful person may change details in order to deliver the principle, and then by that time people have identified the details as principles or misidentified the details as principles, and and you know the Jesus is killed by the by the Jews, you know. <laughs> Got a kind of a situation, uh, so that that happens also. So all these types of scenarios are there, and they're they're built into you know what's to be expected. It's right there in the Bhagavad Gita. In one sense, Krishna says in the fourth chapter, "Evam parampara praptam imam rajayashovidu sakalena mahatanash yoga nashta But this is in the in the fourth chapter. In the beginning, there's a kind of segues into this. Discourse on avatar tattva, the, the nature of the descent of divinity in the world, hmm? and um, and interestingly enough, in the context of that, this verse comes, which is also about the descent of divinity, not directly as an avatar of himself, as he had been talking about, but in the form of the guru disciple chain, parampara. Parampara means one after another, guru parampara, one guru after another. Hmm. Um, and uh, Krishna says, "Evam paramparapraptam imam rajrashuvidasakalena mahata." By the influence of time, hmm, sometimes this succession is uh, weakened. And uh, one way to think about this, of course, is in another in the eleventh chapter of the Gita. What does Krishna say about time? Who knows? Yes, time I am, right? Destroyer of the worlds. It was Oppenheimer, I think, who quoted that when the first atomic bomb went, went off, that he had, was it Oppenheimer? Had something to do with, uh-oh, he thought. Uh, as an aside, I looked into it today, and we're in the top ten countries safest from nuclear war here. <laughs> Just in case you're you're wondering. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I know a lot of people are. Uh, so, uh, um, 
so he says that by the influence of time, the lineage becomes weakened. So one kind of beautiful way to look at this is, well, you said your time also. Hmm? You say that your time, you're saying by the influence of time. So he says, by the influence of time, it becomes weakened, and then I restore it. I give new energy to it. So by his arrangement, then it becomes weak so that some devotee can, he can glorify that devotee and cast him or her into the limelight, and which is his greatest pleasure to see his devotee praised and glorified and so on and so forth. So we kind of kind of step back from all of this at times and look at it as the, the play of, of the absolute, how the lineages go and and... And sometimes it's it's like it's some, sometimes it's thought of as as a leela, hmm? and some guys guys have black hats, some guys have white hats, you know, and, and they bring out different things. Uh, uh, like in the lineage of my guru Maharaj, there's been some quite a few problems um, after his passing and so forth, um, but it's been extremely helpful to me. <laughs> All the problems forced me into a situation of, of necessity, which is said to be the mother of in, invention. And so um, uh, it, uh, it caused me to go within and bring get new light and so forth. I get the company of Pujapad Sridhar Maharaj. And so, so I really, if I really look at the whole situation as bad as sometimes I, th- I think it is, it's been quite good for me. So, hmm. Um, so, from the broader perspective, if you're too close to it, then it's a problem. You get back, look at a distance, then you can always see the hand of God. There's a song like that, from a distance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we need a little distance uh, to, from, from the, the, the uh, more sectarian ideas uh, and uh, see the common ground, so to speak, of that we all, what we all have in common. Hmm. Um, so, um, those are some of my thoughts on that uh, subject, <clears throat> and we look at it all from a, how do they say, from a from a broader perspective. Krishna's arrangers have something to be learned there. Um, some hard lessons sometimes, but you know, often today's problems are tomorrow's humor. So we look back and we laugh at it, hopefully. <laughs> Uh, what else? Another question? Yes. Um, it seems like in the United States right now that uh, a president is taking up so much headspace for everyone. Yeah. And they're trying to like keep it separated and uh, recognize that it's Krishna's uh, uh, material energy. <laughs> but it's really difficult at this time to, to uh, you know, not be frightened. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people who are really frightened. Mm. Just wondering how to uh, try to help them and help you know, everybody in right. the situation. Well, I think that um, there are um, a couple of positions here as well with regard to um, our, our, our uh, tradition and um, its view of the world. One... Um, uh, perspective is, or one approach is, that um, the practitioners are more or less aloof from the world, 
and um, uh, practicing and in their own world, so to speak, as, as, as far as possible. And um, I think that uh, certain times in history lend to that possibility. Um, um, at the same time, uh, the, uh, the other side of it is that there, there are times when uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavas have become um, socially active as well in times when, um, I guess you could say, where, the, where the, the problems, relatively speaking, were such that they were interfering with their ability to peacefully go on and live in their own world, so to speak, uh, and, and enter, enter within and so forth. And, and so they had to become socially active. Um, the very mission of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has both sides to it. Nityananda Prabhu, in the early beginnings of the Sampradaya with his associates, was very socially active. They were, up, they were um, uh, changing the, uh, the social uh, landscape in that there were many uh, uh, types of people, groups of people that were ostracized, outcasts, uh, uh, and abused by the uh, Hindu orthodoxy and so forth, and they uplifted them socially. They improved their situation. The, the, the plight of women was improved by their um, outreach. And so it, it very much had a... A socially interactive kind of um, side to it, while it was at the same time spiritually deep and so forth. And then the other side of the Sampradaya, you have these theologians who were writing the, the texts, which are the core texts and so forth, and they were more in, in, intro, introverted, introspective, uh, more contemplative, let's say, in their their approach. Um, so the, both sides are there, and it depends on the circumstances, I, w- I would think. You know, you, you have in Bengal, for example, at the time, in Mayapur, the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, there was a Muslim uh, government, and they weren't entirely uh, favorable to the Hindus. Uh, the Hindus and Muslims lived together, but Hindus were somewhat, uh, you know, restric- restricted. And when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took the streets with his kirtan, then the... Uh, the magistrate, the Muslim magistrate, uh, ordered that the drums would be broken, and he stopped all of this um, disturbance and uh, converting people. Haridas was was a Muslim outcast. He converted, and it's one thing to be a Muslim, but to convert, you know, even today, if you convert, you're like that's you're supposed to be killed or something like. That. So they tried to kill him, they beat him, and they took him through the like they do in the Muslim country. They put him in the market, and Tied him up and whipped him and so forth, but he wouldn't die. <laughs> he couldn't. He 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 didn't die. Um, and uh, uh, that's a long story. But at any rate, there was persecution, um, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu res- responded. Became socially active. We went to the Chandkazi's, the magistrate's house, with a hundred thousand Hindus and kirtan at night by torchlight and so forth. And it's a long story. You might be familiar with it, but. Yeah, so that's an example where the where the the material 
situation, if you will, the governance and so forth, was so uh, was such that it required uh, even on Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's part to get personally um, in, in involved. And um, Krishna Leela is uh, one of the uh, main focuses of it. Is that, is that the, the the king Kamsa in Mathura, which was the seat of the king of presiding over the area that included Vrindavan, uh, was a, was a tyrant, and uh, and and Krishna himself, you know, killed him, and so on. So um, there's uh, some some scope for that, and uh, uh, as far as the Vaishnavas go, um, it really depends. I suppose on their disposition, how much they might want to get involved in trying to, you know, be a, a vocal or active um, participant for some type of change and resistance, as it's being called today, I guess. Um, and uh, um, and then, besides their disposition, if they want to get involved, how bad it gets, everybody might have to get involved on some level. So, yeah, it's a little uh, uh, frightening because you have these um, kind of relationships, for one thing, internationally, that have been established for since World War II, basically, um, alliances and so forth and that have been in place. And, and the guy in charge there in America, he doesn't understand... I mean, I understand geopolitics better than him, but it's not my my subject. I mean, so the average, you know, any. I mean, I don't know if he went to school. Almost, you know. I mean, his his ideas they just they're just like, he doesn't understand the system. He doesn't understand how things work, uh, and so forth. So it's very disconcerting. I, I sympathize, empathize. It's disconcerting uh, to me as well to you know to hear about and so forth. But um, I think that uh, it this situation is I guess it's pretty bad we are talking about it in class you know so it is pretty bad actually so I think that it's a test in one sense of the uh, the for the United States and the world hmm? um, America the United States has been a certain experiment uh, that has been in some ways good and you can find all the bad parts of it too and there's plenty of that but um, uh, Brings a certain level of stability and and so forth that uh, uh, is comforting and comforting to Europe and whatnot, the whole world in many ways. Um, even again, it has its downside. But um, um, part of that whole edifice of the United States um, is. Uh, that it has a system that where it has these checks and balances, if you will. So there's the judicial and the executive, and what's the other one? I don't think Trump knows all three either. Um, so, uh, so there are ways. You know, he kind of goes in there like he's some kind of you know dictator, and and then whoever is dissenting voice, he gets rid of, tries to get rid of them. And, that can only go so far because there is a system. So I think that you have to, at this point, you have to kind of wait and see if, if the legal, um, legislative, legislative, judicial, judicial arm can you know tie his shoelaces together and handcuff him and so forth and uh, teach him 
uh, basic uh, civics, you know, course. <laughs> um, and uh, that's the last line of resistance. So if that doesn't work or happen or somehow, then, then uh, yeah, there could be some serious, uh, serious problems. I, I would say that this person and those who support him have, are giving, has given more uh, uh, cause for concern in, in, in terms of the pursuit of peace prosperity than anything I've ever seen in my, in my lifetime. So it's it's pretty pretty shocking. Um, so we're not unaware of that, um, but um, for now I'm kind of waiting and seeing. I mean, you don't have to wait. You can see. You already knew it. I mean, you, before he was even elected, you knew it was a problem, but you didn't know he'd be elected. But anyway, so now you have to see if they can't handcuff him and tie him, tie him up and Legally, many cities have have filed suits against him, and, and uh, I guess his branch of the government and so forth. He signs these edicts, but whether they're actually lawful, you know, that, that needs to be tested and so forth. So, I think you see the first, uh, you know, volley from him of his incoherence and so forth, and it's shocking and it makes the news and it's it's disconcerting and so forth. But there is a a built-in system for a response to all that. It takes more time. It's not as dynamic and loud, uh, you know, and earth-shattering, um, but uh, it, it, it may be um, more powerful and lasting than, than um, his initial um, volley, if you will. So we'll see what happens. Um, but I would I would encourage uh, friends and associates and devotees and so forth along along those those lines and it's not you know there's the point of critical mass it just really feels like that because of and has that kind of potential but it's a pretty good uh, uh, I mean they can tie a guy up pretty good there if they, they, they don't all cooperate with him you know so that's my that's my, my thoughts on it <laughs> we've got a kamsa you know. What can be done? Um, so it, it's not unprecedented in, in Vaishnav history. We find it in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's time. We find it in Krishna's time. We find it in our time. So let's see if it can give us give us strength and bring us together for for good and and for um, again. I mean, much of the present response to him is is this uh, bigotry and. Uh, um, He's one of these guys who says, "Hey, you know, I'm not a bigot. You know, some of my best friends are Jewish. You know, <laughs> that's the, you know, <laughs> they don't understand the concept. You know, they just don't understand the word, the, the implications of it. They, so, that, um, but yeah, that's what uh, what you see. And the response is is heartening because so many people they say, "Hey, wait a minute, you know, we're all people. We're all humans, and America's got a reputation for helping people." Refugees, for example, is the issue with the president, and, and so on, and um, unity, and you know, so forth. So, I think also that uh, you know that that kind of a perspective which we share with people of of a, and uh, in, 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 of course we speak about it in a deeper level. We're all consciousness. We're not matter. We have we stand on the same common ground. 
uh, even with other species, and so on and so forth, we extend the idea. But socially speaking, I think those ideas are, have gone pretty far, and they're pretty hard to, to, to turn back. Um, uh, and and, the, and the, then, in other words, the majority embraces them, even without thinking about it, even without realizing they do. That's how far it's it's come, so to speak. So you you know you you have a situation where you got you could compare this man to to uh, you know Hitler. There are, for example, there are some comparisons and uh, tyranny and and so and quashing dissent and whatever. But but you know. In the times, for example, in Germany, it was possible that the whole nation could completely get behind because of whatever the circumstances were. And this is not like that. The, you know, the majority of the nation can't stand the person, and probably even some a lot of the people who voted for him, you know, are not, you know, true dyed-in-the-wool um, supporters. They didn't like the other lady who was running, and you know, some you know some of that. And so forth. So you, you don't have that kind of fertile ground, if you will, for that kind of a person to be able to take over. And so, I think we're okay. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting times, so. though. What else? Well, you're getting quite a bit of sun. You look, you look like you're born down here. In Costa Rica, <laughs> I assume in an hour a day, yeah. at least, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I feel kind of guilty living down here for all this upheaval that's going on in my country of citizenship. <laughs> well, uh, you need you need to get your health together. That's that's yeah. You got to help yourself to help to help others. Sometimes, yes. In the Sadhakridanta, you mentioned a couple of times that Krishna is humanity's God, and I've just been thinking about that quite a bit. I wondered if you could talk about it. You mean like divine humanism or something like that? Mm. Talk about it in that way a little bit. Well, I think what I mean by that there is that um, uh, Krishna um, kind of uh, confirms, if you will, the human uh, sensibilities that are um, really kind of a shadow or a reflection of the uh, of the reality of 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 a world of divine love. In other words, we feel that there is such a thing as love. It, it should be. It should prevail, and um, it's what we live for. And uh, and uh, the stories about it are, you know, any any whenever we see it, when we see the you know the the one animal save another animal you know then that'll be go viral you know so some voluntary acts of kindness going out of one's way to help help another um, 
self-sacrificing. This is at the heart of love. Love is born out of out of out of, out of sacrifice. Hmm? Um, it's a it's a it's a it's a giving. So we have this sense when we come to human life, the atma has a sense that 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 uh, that's what life's about. It's meaningful, purposeful. It's about loving. Uh, um, even you know, even thieves, as I sometimes say, want to divide the loot evenly, fairly, honestly. So these, this is a Gaudi of Vaishnava tradition. is a tradition that confirms that human sensibility about life, um, and and affords them the place and person in which they can repose their loving tendencies and propensities, such that it will be most. Uh, fruitful, hmm? and of course that involves coming out from underneath the influence of the Maya Shakti, which makes us a taker on some level, however philanthropic and altruistic we may be, because we're identified with the body-mind complex, which is a taking complex, and so we have to reverse that and come under the influence of Bhakti, or Krishna's internal energy, and of course. Um, and center is just as I say, our giving propensity on on him, and so comparatively, um, Advaita Vedanta, hmm, uh, Shankar, Patanjali's yoga uh, system, and so forth. These are are not human. They don't confirm the human sensibilities. Hmm? We have a human sensibility. We're an individual. The way David says, "You're not. There is no self. There's only Brahman, and there's no there's no love." Um, I'll give you another example. Uh, in the in the Yoga Sutra, or in the discourse of Dvaita Vedanta, there's a word used for the body, sharira. Sharira. It it means the the corporal. Body, that's what it means. It doesn't have another meaning, really. Hmm. That's the primary meaning. The Goswamis, writing about our tradition, never use that word when they speak of the two bodies hmm, of the devotees. Now, what I'm saying is in the Yoga Sutra, there's this kind of anti body. Hmm. In Advaita Vedanta, it's anti body. Um, Shankar and Patanjali, founders of those systems, uh, invoked the word sharira and the material body as something to get rid of, get out of, get rid of. We turn to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and he says, he says, the, the body that you want to give, get rid of, I want to turn a lemon into lemonade. Hmm? So I want to take this material material body and turn it into a spiritual body. Hmm? And in the context of doing that, with what instruments and tools I give you, hmm, I'm going to manifest another body as well, an internal uh, meditative body. Uh, so you you got two bodies <laughs> in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, and both of them are spiritual. Hmm? And the Goswamis use the word siddharupa, sadaka, rupa, sadaka, deha. Deha means form. It means it means person, also. 
Rupa means uh, uh, form or image, hmm? not body. So they've they've been careful to choose these words in their describing the two bodies of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, at least two. We could go on. There's more, but uh, two bodies, both of which are are spiritual. So with regard to this present visible body, then there's the the uh, as I often have said in the past. A, a what's what what takes place in the spiritual practice is a transubstantiation. So, in the transubstantiation, to use the classical Catholic example, the the bread and the wine in the ritual of the mass is miraculously turned into the body and the blood of the Christ. Hmm? is the idea, although it doesn't look like it. So this is the idea behind transubstantiation. The ingredients are material. They actually become spiritual, even while continuing to look material. Hmm? So it is with the sadhakade, the practitioner's body. Um, And so the more the practitioner's body, which is made up of senses, working senses and cognitive or perceiving senses... Um, they are in touch with sense objects, objects of sight, sound, taste, and so on and so forth, touch. And when, to the extent that they are in touch with those objects for the purpose of pleasing the senses of Krishna, then that body made up of senses is being transformed. Hmm? Transformation starts to take shape as internal experience, hmm? And the internal subtle body, another body <laughs> of the of the mind and intellect, so with this becomes spiritualized. And as it becomes fully spiritualized, then, as we said the other day, then the, the so-called material body becomes spiritualized. Now, it gets old and it dies, so it's to, it, it remains like the like like the bread and the wine. You know, they used to turn it into this third thing, this like little wafer. When I was a kid, but. Now that's just bread and wine. They give you a sip of wine and a piece of bread. <laughs> it's a better deal. <laughs> I, I, I learned that when my my father passed away. My mother I went to see my mother. And she asked me to go to mass, and it was very it was different. So that was one of the differences. But at any rate, um, it's a sacred thing, and um, and so in our tradition, you know, the same thing. I mean, well, it looks like the body's died. It looks like the material body, but it's thought just like the emotional leela of Krishna. You see, Krishna did many things and, and that, that you would think, well, he could have died doing that, but he didn't die. And then he dies, apparently, in a very simple way. And you go, well, how could that, who could die from that? Because he, cause like, he, he endured situations that were, you know, many times more life-threatening than that. So, so it's a leela. Hmm? It's a leela. And he leaves... The idea is that through his Maya Shakti, he leaves a Mayak form of himself, and and then in a, in, a, in his original form, he becomes uh, unmanifest. But devotees can experience it nonetheless. So, so it's thought with the Sadaka Deha also when it becomes fully uh, transubstantiated, and 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 so forth. So at any rate, all this because 
it's kind of body confirming in a way that, for example, these other two transcendental disciplines of Hindu in Hinduism, Hinduism, Advaita Vedanta, Gyan, and Yoga, they're very much body denying, and along with it, they, they're not love doctrines of love. They're doctrines of not taking. That's part of loving, as I often say, but they're, they end up just in eternal, in a quietude, um, solitude, and so forth. Um, whereas Gaudi Vaishnava is very confirming of this, this the sense that um, that we all want unity and diversity at the same time, which is really what love is, because in love you become one and you, and you remain different at the same time. You, know, you change hearts with your partner, something like that. You're... But so that there's still two there, but it's a, it's the two have become you and I have become we, and so it's a it's a dynamic um, kind of unity rather than a unity that cancels everybody else out <laughs> in the name of unity. So in that way, it's very um, confirming, if you will, what we th- what we think we are humanly. Gaudi Vaishnava says you are that. It's very interesting. I mean, on a deeper level, because we think that we we have will, uh, agency. We think that uh, we have um, uh, the ability to apprehend. Uh, we we think that we uh, we have a sense that we should live forever. We keep striving for it through so many means, hmm? um, and the kind of perfections that we seek, if you will, we Gaudi Vaishnava says, we, we you you are. And you're now functioning as an atma under the influence of the maya shakti, and it's coming out this way. You're getting a material body, and it's there's problems, and so we want to bring you under the influence of the of the sarup shakti of bhakti. Just a different environment, but the same you will respond to it, and because it's a spiritual environment, then the body that comes out of it uh, will be spiritual. And, but the things that just like I'll give you another example. Life, as we know it, human life is about desires, and then trying to fulfill the desires with our, with our, with our resolve, our, our our will, and so forth. Hmm. It's a whole. It's just full of desires. In Dvaita Vedanta or Yoga Sutras, you have to get rid of all desires. That's the idea. Cancel out all desires. But in Bhakti, that's not the case. In Bhakti, all the desire in the Leela, everybody has desires. They all have desires. Hmm? But the the whole environment, so you hear the environment, material environment is one where we have desires in relation to this environment and it separates us from others and so forth. But the spiritual environment is, the Swarup Shakti is all working for the pleasure of Krishna only, only for the pleasure of Krishna. So when you come into that environment, all the desires arise, all in relation to pleasing Krishna. There's a whole world and one coward boy likes Guanabanas, and another one likes, you know, quadrados, you know. Mm. Uh, so they have different desires and so forth. But each one is an example of Sakya Rasa, or each gopi is an example of Madhurya Rasa. And, and the whole idea of the Rasa identity is fully pleasing to Krishna, and all the different desires are all pleasing to Krishna. So it's a very extremely different idea than you'll find in Yoga Sutra 
or Advaita Vedanta about the nature of enlightenment. And it's an idea, a concept of enlightenment that so much corresponds with the way we lead our lives now. The only difference is it's all backwards. It's all, you know, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's all coming out uh, self-centered rather than Krishna-centered. So there's too many centers. Everything's fine except we've got too many centers. Everyone's a little center, and so everyone's like bumping into one. Hey, I'm the center. No, I'm the center. I'll, I'll let you be the center for a little while. Now it's my turn. <laughs> be the center, you know, something like that. <laughs> so, so the point being that no one's qualified to be the center, and that's the idea of Krishna. It means all attractive, qualified to be the center. So let's play out the idea of Krishna. Who is Krishna? What does it mean? What are the underlying philosophical implications, ramifications? Then you can see how here, prop here is a center that we can all give to, and 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 be nourished thereby. So it's very uh, and, and, and human human like. Krishna's form is human like. He's got two arms, and he his love relationships are very human like. That's why we hear about them and we we, we bond with them. Oh, that's like me. I feel like that too. You know, he's like that, um, and so it's a very uh, uh, and, he, and he feels that the human stage is the best place to perform his his leela. Hmm. Um, so um, even within bhakti, and you have this Narayan up on the throne, you know, and so Krishna is very much again human like. Like is a big word there in that, um, but um, in that way, it's kind of a divine humanism because it emphasizes the human condition. The human condition. We should be concerned about the human condition. What it, what is its potential and so forth. And um, so, that out. Okay. What's the time? Seven twenty. Anything else? Yes. I've come across uh, a couple times in meetings uh, about how other religions read the Alpha and certain things he's written. I don't know if you've heard something along the lines of uh, the Alpha discussing and describing cells of the body having or being divas in and of themselves, each one. I haven't thought too much about that. I don't think too much is written about that. I, I don't know what a cell is. I'm not a biologist. Uh, I, I guess it's a living thing. Yeah, it's a I, unit of that composes the body of the whole, and each little unit has little nucleus and this little process. And some so a cell is a form of life, right? Yeah. yeah then, then we would say yeah, has an atma. Life is more than biological. It's yeah. Yeah, so be good to yourselves. <laughs> be compassionate. Shishitaji Gopal Gidya. Oh, Premananda.